You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletters Speaks, the podcast. This is Tuesday, March the 14th, 2023. It's season three, episode number eight. JJ Sefton is here along with uh, my good friend and colleague and co-blogger CBD and making his return, our good friend, pundit extraordinaire, author, historian, raconteur, coming to us from the Emerald Isle, the great Michael Walsh. Gentlemen, good morning and good afternoon. And uh, good evening, wherever you may be. Good morning. So, Michael, your latest wonderful and really depressing uh, essay on your website, thepipeline.org, which everybody should bookmark and read, is all about the challenges we face. And really, uh, we're heading towards a, uh, some sort of political and societal dissolution. And electoral politics, seemingly, the more we go on, is just not going to cut the mustard as I draw up the website, perhaps uh, pull something. It's called um, The Untouchables, where you mm. you start off, and I'll read a little bit, in the movie The Untouchables, written by David Mamet and directed by Brian De Palma, a streetwise Irish cop named Malone tries to educate a starry-eyed fed named Elliot Ness in the ways of Chicago justice when up against an implacable, deadly opponent like Al Capone. The scene has become justly famous for, this, for the line. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way, and that's how you get Capone. But uh, and we and we obviously are the uh, starry-eyed feds. The conservative movement in America is about two generations behind when it comes to viewing reality, and I think that's one of the points of of this excellent, excellent article uh, or essay that we need to decide what we want to do because we're not doing anything of any import. We are not doing anything that pushes back against what is essentially a progressive socialist takeover of the United States of America. Yeah, well, I, that's why I said that what JJ just read is the famous exchange, but the line that comes before and after that, what are you prepared to do? And it's the dying words of Malone after he's killed by Frank Nitti. And I guess our answer is nothing whatsoever. Nothing. I mean, there was that I can't tell you how, how much the January 6th thing angers me, not because of the gross miscarriage of justice, but just because it was a stupid thing to do in the first place. The idea that, that this crowd was going to march peacefully to the, to the uh, uh, Capitol and then not be sandbagged by the left, you knew it. They were waiting for it. What they're waiting for now is for somebody on our team to fight back, and then that'll be the Reichstag fire, and then that will give them all of the emergency powers they need to close us all down. I mean, they closed us down over a bug for crying out loud. And and where was the pushback? None. I just put up a post on thepipeline.org by John O'Sullivan, who's one of our founding editors, how the realization is now sinking in in Britain, not here in Ireland, though Patty is a little bit behind the rest <laughs> of the white population of, uh, of Europe. They're, we're not quite white people yet. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're still, uh, oh, yeah, we have to walk around with a mask on because, you know, health. But uh, actually, because the boss said so, we really are a slave population um, of the EU now. We traded the Brits for the Belgians. Very poor deal on our behalf. But John is pointing out the Brits are coming to the conclusion they've been had. And this guy, Matt Hancock, who I've never heard of, he's a minister of something, has been pantsed by a very pretty girl named Isabel Oakshot, I think her name is, 
And she leaked all of the private texts, and they were saying, hey, when are we going to release the next trade? we got to keep the people scared. we got to keep them submissive. And it, you knew it was true when you were living it. Who believed this? I mean, seriously, it was, what, three years ago right now, because it's almost St. Patrick's Day, and they announced shutting down Ireland yeah, two days before St. Patrick's Day. That went over huge. But you know what? They conformed to it. The pub shut, the churches shut, disgraced of the Catholic Church is that we had priests risking their lives in hedgerows like the one you see right behind me here on this picture, which is my backyard. Uh, if they were caught saying mass, they were killed by the Brits. And yet the, the Catholic Church just shut down, you know, pulled their forecap fore cap over their forehead and said, yes, a boss, which is what the Irish unfortunately do. Every time I'm on the radio here, I endear myself to my brothers and sisters by saying, it really is true. The smart ones got on the boat and the dumb ones stayed home. And and by that, I mean that the spirit of fighting back was taken out of the people by 700 years, not just a few, 700 years of why are you here? Why won't you go home right, to the to the Brits, to the Anglo-Saxons? Uh, and, and the people still don't, they don't feel right about fighting back. We had the, the revolution, 1922-23, Michael Collins, the 12 apostles, in which the Irish uh, decapitated the British secret police here in, in, in Ireland on one night. And they went out and they killed every last motherfucking one of these guys. And guess what? Problem solved. It's amazing what violence can actually do. But we don't want to advocate that, obviously, because I think that would just be a trap that we would walk right into, like the January 6th Ludniks. See how cleverly I work Yiddish into my Irish speech here, JJ. I thought you'd appreciate that. I do, I do appreciate but, it. But, but, but what do we do? What, seriously, what do you do? How do you fight back? The, the electoral system itself, as I've written twice now, is the steel. It's incorporated into the steel. There's no election day anymore. There's election whatever. Six months? What's it going to stop? Rolling plebiscite every day? We vote again? Uh, it's absolute. We've hit the wall, I think, on, on the good old USA today, which is one of the reasons I'm, as you can see, not there. Nicer here. Yeah, it's a, it's a conundrum. And, you know, it's funny. Every time there's always a, a commenter at Ace of Spades and at Cut Jib News that, that says, we're not voting our way out of this. We're not voting our way out of this. And still we go through these motions of, and I say it's we're sort of in a zombie state where it's it, it, there's the appearance of regular order where Congress meets and for whatever mm -hmm. intents and purposes passes laws. And, you know, Karen Jean-Pierre is up there bloviating in a press conference and some uh, bureaucrat somewhere is doing something. And we have campaigns and Trump is running and DeSantis is running and whoever the heck else is running and the pundits are going. But still, it's it's everything is we're dead and we kind of don't even really know it. So to, to your point, uh, uh, Michael, is that Here's the thing. If we do protest, yes, they're going to do something to incite someone to commit an act of violence and then crush it and claim and outlaw the Republican Party as a terrorist organization. And, and there it is. But if we don't do anything, if we just sit there and take it, then they're going to roll us, roll, roll over us anyway. So it's like you're sort of. But you know, we have an exact cognate of this in the Roman in Roman history, which is when Octavian defeats uh, Mark Antony and Cleopatra Actium and effectively becomes the ruler of what is now, for all practical purposes, Roman Empire. He doesn't call himself emperor. He doesn't call himself anything except first citizen 
And everything stayed the same. He, he was there to say, oh, this is good. I've just restored the Republic, which my, my divine father, St. Julius Caesar, his adopted father, had tried to restore. And nothing will change. The Senate will meet. The elections will take place. Everything stayed the same, except he was the emperor. That's it. It just went like that. And when I look and say, every day I, I wake up to the New York Times rolling headlines on my phone. Today was Biden outlaws something. And that was, every day it's Biden does this. Biden cuts back on the outlaws gas stoves. Biden says, stop breathing. I thought, who the fuck is Biden to tell me this? Some 80-year-old, senescent, stupid fucking patty, bog trotter. Can I add any more nasty Irish terms? No, you guys, I, I enjoy it immensely. <laughs> no, you know, stepping harp. Who is this guy to say what I can do and what I can't do? Fuck okay, you. folks, and this is this is the issue right now that from a seventy-four-year-old Patty with a, yeah. a beautiful view of the Aran Islands in the background, this yeah. is what we need to do. We need to say who the fuck is Biden? Yeah. I was on a street yesterday, and a policeman had blocked the entire intersection. There was nothing coming from any direction. And I started crossing the street and he started yelling at me. Yeah. And I didn't want to get into it with a cop. So I stepped back. And about two minutes later, some convoy of five or ten black suburbans escorting something went by. And I flipped them off. (laughs) But, you know, that was my my little uh, my little revolt. But the but the fact remains is that kind of behavior, unless it is confronted by all of us, it will continue, it will grow, and it will eventually become the Roman Empire. Yeah. It and will. what happened to the Roman Empire? Well, it lasted another 400 years in the West, and then it lasted another 1,000 years in Constantinople. But other than that, nothing. Look, th- these transitions can happen so quickly. I think, JJ, did you make the point this morning that the all-volunteer army now is essentially a federalized army, that they're not going to ever not do what their paymasters tell them. Used to be you went in the army, you could leave the army. You you got drafted for two years, three years, you you left the army. Now, with this dumb idea by Nixon, I think it was, to try to save his presidency, which it didn't do, P.S., uh, you've got a federalized army. And it's a profession. It's like being a politician now. It's a career. You know, you don't just go in it for a while. You, you come back out. And I, I hear a lot of things from people on our side saying, oh, well, the cops would never do this against us. They would never. They're really conservatives. Fuck no. They'll do who pays them. That's what they'll do. We have we have and made that, we have made that point many times. And sadly, yeah. I've, and, and look, it's like everything else, the things that you, you grew up to believe in, whether whether they were real or as we now know, sadly, they've turned into a myth is that, yes, I mean. People are out to preserve, protect, and defend their pensions and their jobs and whatever. Yes, there are some yeah. people who are sick bastards who will go along and do the beatdowns, and then there are others who just sort of quietly shrug and, look, I'm only following orders. I don't really want to do it, but I'll do it anyway. And so that's this is what's happening. And the Army now, well, between you know that crap is... You know the whole woke policies of uh, Austin and uh, and that idiot uh, Vanilli Millie, that that, that psychopath. Uh, they're literally pre- they're forcing profe- really good people, trained people, to get the hell out of the army, and they're bringing in these cadres of just the most desperate people who want a paycheck. And they'll nod and they'll they'll they'll, they'll acknowledge the fact that America's greatest enemies are white supremacy and climate change, as opposed mm. to red China, Iran, 
Russia and so on and so forth, and the enemies within yeah. our own borders. So this is, you know, we're 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 ripe for being. I mean, the Chinese don't have to do a damn thing. You know, they they could take us over without firing a shot, probably right now. And everyone's like, well, we got to be scared of an EMP. They're not going to blow <laughs> off an EMP. They'll they you know they'll they need us. They need the uh, you know they need the infrastructure or they need whatever. The Iranians, well, on the other hand, they'll kill us for you know because it's the yeah the Iranians. It's interesting. Chinese are terrible soldiers. They've never won a war against a Western power ever. Not once. They're over. Starting with the Arabs kicking their ass at the Battle of Talas in the 8th century when the Chinese decided they'd get a little frisky and move west towards Europe. And a Muslim army stopped them and kicked the bejesus out of them. And that was the last you ever heard of China trying to be expansionist. What they're very good at is killing themselves. The Chinese civil wars are stupefying in the body counts. If you look at the uh, the uh, great patriot, what was it called? Uh, the ever victorious army under uh, General Gordon, Chinese famous Chinese Gordon, who died later on at, at Khartoum. Uh, he led a part of the Chinese civil war, and the, it, oh, the brutality of it was stupefying. You saw what happened uh, when Mao took over. Millions and millions of people died. The only people they can beat are themselves. Except for except for us now, because we can beat ourselves too, and and we're racing towards this. It's interesting. When my dad was in Korea, he was a young, uh, brand new uh, first lieutenant when he hit the beach uh, at uh, Incheon. Before that, at the Pusan perimeter, yeah. and he said the Marines at that point, which had all, they had almost been abolished by Congress, because you know, we won World War Two. They thought, who needs, you know, special guys that kill for this sheer fucking element? We don't need them anymore, right? So he said those Marines that he, he inherited uh, were the worst scum of the earth. They were total horrible, low life, God knows what. But they, they whipped them into shape. I mean, now you can't whip them into shape. Now they, they'll tell you to go naff off. So we don't have any serious military force at this point. We have Millie Vanilli, of course, this big chunky chest full of fruit salad who obviously never passed up a bear claw like uh, what's this Ace of Spades, <laughs> Spades calls uh, Vinman, turtle uh, bear claw. Uh, all these desks, you know, R there's a phrase in the, uh, in, the, in the military, R-E-M-F, rear echelon motherfucker. So that's what Millie is. He's, he, he, he actually apparently did fight and killed somebody amazingly, but he's an R-E-M-F. And the whole Washington is just horrible right now. If you spend any time there and you hang out with some of the congressmen and senators, you go, who are these idiots? I mean, you wouldn't have them to dinner, for Christ's sake. You wouldn't want to have a beer with them. They're well, just stupefyingly dumb. Well, not only dumb, but at this point... Go ahead. I'm sorry, CBD. These are people whose only job is to be articulate in front of a camera. Yeah. And so few of them can, in fact, do their jobs, which is to be articulate. The laughable lack of ability in speaking the king's English or the yeah. president's English, whatever you like to call it, in the United States is pathetic. The, sure. the, the level of discourse has plunged hmm. in the last two, uh, maybe let's call it 50 years in the United States Congress. It is unbelievable to me. I read these idiots every single day and they, they can't speak, they can't write, which no. is unbelievable to me because they have, they have people in their offices who should be able to edit their, their blatherings and yet they're incapable of that, which means that they're hiring idiots. These are idiots being led by idiots. You know, the, the clown statements that they come out, oh, the, the United States Senate, the, the greatest deliberative body in the world. Bullshit. Bullshit. There are a <laughs> bunch of hacks. And I and there are possibly five of them 
who are worth a goddamn. You know, and here's the thing. It's and these are the illiterate ones who actually have mental capacity. We have people, you know, Biden himself, who's a dementia patient. You have Diane yeah. Feinstein, who's not far behind, and of course our our, our favorite, our, uh, John Fetterman, who is basically you know a vegetable. I mean, literally a vegetable walking it, walking around. Forget it. Red China, come on in, baby. Take it, take it. It's it's all yours. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I called Diane this morning, uh, Lady, our very own Lady Gaga. That, that's basically you know. What I noticed that. At least Lady Gaga has a nice voice. <laughs> yeah, at least she can sing. It's not very pretty, but she can sing. But Diane is just Gaga, and and I've known her since I was in San Francisco. I was there when Moscone and Milk were assassinated by uh, by uh, what's his name, uh, Dan, Dan White. White, and that happened eight days after uh, Jonestown. So we had a hell of a news week on the San Francisco Examiner. Let me, let me put it that way. And she was very impressive. She stood right up. She, you know, there was no, San Francisco was fun crazy, not insane, nasty crazy. And, and we were all big fans of Diane, but gradually, you know, power corrupts and age reduces your ability to function properly. And she's just gone, well, baby, gone. You know, you know she has a sh her, her chauffeur for 30 years is a, is a Chinese spy. I mean, yeah, well, she's got to know that. I mean, I mean, and now this goes to the whole corruption about China. Forget about being able to fight us. They may be over in wars, but damn, they're damn good at bribing, bribing the world and putting people in their pocket. And that's exactly yeah, what they're they do doing. They understand money, and they've always fought with money too. As you know, they're despised around the Orient. Michael, uh, Seth and I have talked about this on a previous yeah. podcast that the investment that communist China has made in the United States is paying off unbelievably. To buy the, the United States of America has cost the communist Chinese probably less than a billion dollars. That's, you know, less than a, than the cost of one of their crappy aircraft carriers or yeah. a couple of their uh, commercial airliners that crash all the time. They have, as you point out quite well, they know how to use money and they're doing it effectively and they've bought us. And But they make enemies everywhere they go in, in Asia. The Japanese hate them with a passion. The, that wasn't just killing for the sake of killing. There is a deep animosity between the Chinese people and the Japanese people. And it expressed itself in the rape of Nanking. The Japanese were absolutely bestial in their treatment. And to them, they thought the Chinese deserved it. That's really important to understand. The Koreans and the Japanese, oh yeah, invite them over for a little fun time together at your house and see what happens. People forget that not all Asians, like not all black people think alike, right? Not all Africans react the same way, the same stimuli from uh, Nigeria to South Africa. We are so stupid in the way we look at the world in these Marxist dialectical categories. But China's not making any friends. And the other thing is they don't understand. When I was a boy growing up in Hawaii, we used to get yelled at by the Chinese ladies, right? You go now. <laughs> you goddamn kid, no good. You no good. I call cop. You go now, right? So I know I'm starting to offend my Chinese friends, but that's exactly what we heard. Mitch McConnell's wife. With well, Turtle McChow, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> when they go to collect, and they do go to collect, they don't. You know, they're spending a lot of money in Africa and South America right now, and you know the Latino cultures. I don't got no money. You know, and, and the Chinese say, what do you mean you got no money? And it's just, that's going to collapse on them. They think they bought it, but, you know, they, they're, their construction standards are terrible. It's all shoddy shit that's going to fall right back into the river. 
And I know I'm go going off on a rant here, but I don't see any way out of this. Uh, of all the people who have bought us, <laughs> Chinese is just not going to be our friends. And we're not going to like it. But let me say one last thing. A cheap Irish crook like Biden, he'll sell his mother out for 50 cents. He is a type in our community. And we hate him in our community. He's the drunk at the end of the bar that wants to pick a fight with you over that ugly broad Ukraine that he wants to take home. You go, dude, like what? No, no, I'm going to fight you about Ukraine, man. And we're going to fight. And, and he's just got to be taken out on a stretcher sometimes, these bar guys. So there's an old joke, you know, the Irishmen are... Uh, going past a uh, Irishman's going past a bar, but he's out in the alley there, and suddenly the alley doors fly open. This whole crowd go punching the shit out of each other, biting, ear chawing, and everything. And the Irishman steps back for a minute, and then he taps one of the guys on the shoulder, and he says, "Pardon me, you know, is this a private fight, or can anyone join in?" <laughs> Well, that's that's the kind of you know, Biden's like that. He yeah. just he likes to fight, but he's a terrible fighter. He's stupid. He's a liar and a braggart. Have I missed anything? I don't think so. A pervert uh, sleeps with his daughter. Yeah, there's uh, the, grifter. There's shower, uh, <laughs> shower with your daughter. That's a good one. Yeah. Exactly. Take take oh your take God. your daughter to shower day. I mean, I take your daughter to work day. Right? Is that it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is. Uh, to me, and I always say it's like you know we're with everything. I think uh, our our colleague Joe Mannix, uh, we were talking with him. Or was it Buck? Was it Buck or Joe? I forget who was the China expert. I think it was Joe. We had a podcast a, a couple of uh, episodes ago, and he was just saying China is on the road to hell because of the one child policy. And well, yeah, we talked we talked at length about the demographics right. of China. Right. And and while the West is certainly in trouble demographically, China is fucked. Uh, yeah, I apologize, so folks. Uh, I have yeah. a foul mouth, and uh, we have we have an Irish gentleman on with us, so I think that it's appropriate that I use uh, more flowery language. That's how we talk, by the way. That word is perfectly acceptable. You can say it in any social context, and in I, fact, you can use the same word as liberally as you want, as long as it's applied to a guy. It's, it's applied to a male. Never say that to a woman, but you hear it all the time. And the F word is the all-purpose adjective and adverb and verb and noun and whatever you want it to be. Just... Just well, a little linguistic. You know, my, there, right? my my mother of blessed memory was uh, an English teacher, a grammarian, and uh, Hungarian Hungarian grammarian, and uh, <laughs> you know, and she was very, you know, that was the one word you couldn't, uh, you know, you just could not say that. But in Hungarian, the, the cursing and whatever flying was was always, uh, you know, in in Hungarian the language was always around the house. But I mean, with going back to China, my my point is that I was going to say is that while China is screwing itself, I mean, we're we're screwing ourselves. It's like hold my beer. It's like it's a race to the bottom. Which one is gonna, you know, which which one is gonna make is gonna crash first? And it's uh, at this point, I think it's us. But oh my God, it's just this is, you know, we're we're they they own us. We are, they're into us. We're into them. But but we'll see. Again, it it, it just I'm apoplectic. I can't even really. Yeah. So I, we're overdue for a break. But before we go on break, I'd like to make a, a little point and answer, uh, at least in part, uh, Michael's question. What 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 are we to do about this? He had no answer. And I think that ultimately there is no answer. But there is a possibility. And that is not voting in federal elections and possibly not even voting in statewide elections. But voting in local elections is the only way we're going to get out of this. And voting not just ballots, but voting with with people's voices, going to school board meetings, going to uh, you know village council meetings, and starting afresh. That is the only way this is going to be resolved. Right. And then, of course, as as that trickles up into 
state government, we have to enforce the Tenth Amendment. It doesn't it sound great. It's not going to happen. I realize that, but that is the answer. I think that, as Michael has pointed out, the the, the federal system has failed. We are our, our, not the federalist system, but the our federal government has failed, and and there is probably no way to recover. But it has again. We have to start start anew from the states. Well, you know, just to, just to, to to cap it off is that, you know, people are very loath, and especially the American mentality, unless you're a professional leftist and agitator. But American people, they don't necessarily like politics. They don't dig it. They just want to be left alone. They want to go to their job. They want to ha- live their lives, and so on and so forth. And for 50, 60, 70 years since the end of World War II, and even before that, Americans were loath to do anything like go on and you know protest anything. The, the bonus marches of the, of the veterans after World War One, notwithstanding. But I'll tell you something, and that's because our society, even after the de- Depression and afterwards, it was a relatively stable society. People, even poor people, were okay, and they, they did their thing. But now, with banks collapsing, with economic systems collapsing, with all these things collapsing in ourselves, you know, and all of a sudden, with inflation going approaching Zimbabwe, uh, Weimar Republic levels, when you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing left to lose. And that's going to be a point where violence notwithstanding, people are have nothing to lose and they will take to the streets. And that will be, maybe that's maybe that's what's, what's, what this calls for. I don't know. Okay, I have to disagree with you. And that is that the United States in general has been disinterested in politics. However, there has been a segment of our population that has been quite interested for a very, very long time. That is the left. Oh, I, have, I said that. Have, that's, you you yeah, must have missed that. that. Thing. They, have a, they have a hundred year head start on us, which explains why they are so well organized, why they have the ability to, to create these, these false narratives so effortlessly. We are stumbling around like fools and the left is laughing at us. But they have that 100-year head start. Absolutely. Okay, let's take a little bit of an overdue break. Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast, CBD, JJ Sefton, the great Michael Walsh. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't you dare go nowhere. And we're back. J.J. Seffin, CBD, the great Michael Walsh from Ireland. Uh, Anyway, Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. And while we were off air here, we just started ranting about, uh, unfortunately, uh, former President Trump uh, going off on his tangents and uh, sort of his uh, puerile kind of attacks on people like Ron DeSantis. Whereas on the last podcast, we had... we thought maybe at a flash of sanity by, you know, highlighting this incredible uh, trade package that he was talking about. And we were hoping that maybe instead of doing this kind of name calling, he and DeSantis and whomever can just kind of one up each other with, with great ideas. But I guess I guess that's kind of a pipe dream. Right, guys? Well, the, the problem with Donald Trump is that he's too old. He, as Michael just pointed out uh, in the break, that he is not a particularly articulate man. But you know, five or 10 years ago, he replaced his inarticulateness with energy and with interesting ideas and with new ideas, at least for the American polity. But fast forward to 2023, and we have a man who is looking in the, into the past. And I've, I've talked about this over and over and over again. If he continues to litigate 
in the press, in the media, the election of 2020, he is going to lose. Is he correct? Absolutely. Does it matter at this point? No. Mm. Well, here's what he said about DeSantis. This is a political story that moved a few hours ago. He was dead as a dog. He was a dead politician. He would have been working perhaps for a law firm or something else. Yeah, this guy was dead. He was dead as a door. I mean, all right, you said dead once already. You don't have to say it four times for crying. This is bad screenwriting for crying out loud. He said, keep it tight. He just rambles now. It's like, it's like I don't know, like a really bad Henny Youngman where all he has to do is like start the joke and then smile because he knows the audience knows it's, you know, that's the joke and, and everyone's going to laugh about it. It's really horrible. I, I feel so bad for him, but... Good Lord. And it's, Enough. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's such a shame as, uh, you know, it's just, we were talking about it last week, the, his, his trade, the idea of tariffs and his trade, you know, package and bringing the American economy back. It's a great idea. Great. Just, you know, let's what? talk about that. You know, if you want to run on something, run on policy, run on, run down Joe Biden and his disasters. But yeah, the, you know, uh, it's, it's sad. It really, it is. I mean, um, if you can believe the polls, if they mean anything, he seems to be, he seems to be surging for whatever, you know, for whatever. Well, you know, a very close friend of mine for years, the last 50 years, uh, uh, is a guy named Walter Shapiro, who is a leftist, who writes for every lefty publication on earth. Right now he's at uh, the New Republic. But Walter is a dear friend of mine, and we don't argue, we never discuss politics. He's married to a, a girl who was uh, a colleague of mine with the very first newspaper job I ever had. That's how far back we go to the early 70s. And Walter ran a piece the other day saying, because he's a veteran, he's also a cool head, you don't pay any attention to these polls. Just don't, right? I mean, he's, he's seen this movie a thousand times, right? He's, he's now the altar cocker in the back saying, you should have seen it back in whatever. So he's right. What do these polls mean? Anything? I think DeSantis will steamroll Trump in the first in the first primary. I don't see how Trump gets out of the gate, especially the CBD said he's just obsessed with the past. He's like an old man shouting at the sky. And who's going to vote for that? We got a real we got a real election to win here, guys. A lot of people will vote for it. Um, there he had he he pulled probably 5% of the electorate out of the weeds in 2016. Mm -hmm. he, he energized yes. a, an underrepresented part of America, and he did it very, very well. Um, mm -hmm. he, his connection to them was real, and I think it continues to be real. However, I'm not sure how to say this. Events have progressed to the point where it doesn't matter that he can connect with these people. His policies are, at this point, unknown. He, he spoke for one or two days about his policies, and then the last three goddamned years, or two and a half years, whatever the hell it has been, he has spoken about an event that will never be changed. The 2020 right. election is cast in concrete. It'll never go away. It will not right. be changed. The Supreme Court will not address it. The laws that allowed it to, to occur will not be changed. What can happen is a state-by-state improvement in the voting laws. It has to go state by state. Ron DeSantis did it in Florida. Uh, Abbott is possibly doing it in Texas, and it's going on in probably another 15 or 20 states across the country. That's where it's going to change. It is not going to change because of anything that Donald Trump says, and he's got no. to shut the fuck up about it. 
and start looking to 2024 and 2028 and getting rid of the Chinese menace and fixing our economy and drill, baby, drill, whatever he wants to say. But he's got to look forward and stop looking back. You know who sounds great? Is this Vivek, what's his face, guy? Ramaswamy. But yeah, here, here, here's the thing about him, though. Somebody, one of the commenters pointed out, and I, they, I saw the website. He is a recipient of a of a Peter oh, and Soros Peter thing. and yeah. Daisy Soros fellowship. Yeah. I'm going, oh God, yeah. is he? Well, look, they say that about Tulsi too, that she was a fellow yeah. of the WEF. But you know, I mean, does that mean every single one of them is, has sold out to that guy? Look, these who knows? These, who, who knows? Right? Who knows? He did say, but he had a great op-ed in the New York Post today, and everything he said about the whole um, collapse of the uh, SVB Bank and Signature Bank. It's right on the money. Why it happened? It was, it was the, the the whole and and just the the two faced and, and you know, criminality of bailing them out while we the poor schlub taxpayers have to have to foot the bill on it. And just he was talking, whatever whatever his background is, if you, you want to call him a, a Soros plant, which I think is ridiculous, he was absolutely mm. right in that op ed. So, but he's he's yeah. got great ideas. I want to hear more from the. I want to hear more of those. I, I want to hear more of Trump's ideas and not the twenty twenty thing. And I want I want DeSantis to start crowing about. How he just totally kicked the shit out of the transsexuals, out of the homosexuals, yeah. and out of the, criti Disney. the critical race mix. Right. Well, look, DeSantis, uh, people say, well, it doesn't matter who our candidate is. Eh. Well, DeSantis, well, I said, look, DeSantis took a state that was leaning left. Yes, he barely beat the regrettable drug addict who wound up naked on the floor of a Andrew Gillum, bathroom, in the hotel bathroom with a male hooker. But be that aside, DeSantis narrowly won. But then he won by a million points. It, within four years, he changed the electric more than we've seen in our lifetime. Something like by 20 points. That's a hell of a thing to do, especially in a place like Florida. Florida's not some goober southern state. It's got... Yeah, it's, it's, and let's face it, there, a huge part of that uh, electorate is a bunch of left-wing Jews from New York who, yeah. are, who find the idea of voting Republican despicable. My grandmother voted Democrat. <laughs> who am I to change? I know. Right? Exactly. I'll let you guys fight that one out. But <laughs> I think he did very well with the Jewish voter, didn't he, the second time he around? Did, he did relatively well, yeah. I mean, when grandma starts getting mugged, then she changes her voting patterns. That That's what historically happens. And I think you can't overlook what DeSantis did. Now, if he can do that, that's great. But there's a caveat, which is the Democrats are going to run another vegetable. They realize the important thing. It doesn't matter who they run. He could be literally dead. It doesn't matter. As long as they hold that office, then whoever is the, you know, uh, who's the who's the new chief of staff? Well, what happened to what's his Whoever's the shadowy cabal behind, behind uh, Robinette Jr., uh, they don't care. They don't care. So... DeSantis could be the greatest candidate and still lose because the Democrats are going to vote D no matter what, even if it's a rutabaga. They could run Fetterman for her. Fetterman Feinstein. Now, there's a ticket. Boy. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on, guys. Get with the program here. Fetterman it's... Feinstein 24. I love it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the, you know, whatever, you know. Or it's a Captain Christopher Pike, you know, just beep once for yes, twice for Democrat, yes. twice for Democrat, once for liberal, and then there, there it is, and it's, you know, Dao Min Yen to the rescue. CBD's right about the law thing, though. Yeah. I thought, if I could just interject, and I made this point in the piece yesterday, the only lawsuit that had any chance, in my opinion, was the Texas lawsuit, because 
Texas and a bunch of other states sued a bunch of other states. And the, the Constitution of the United States, which I know is a dead letter, so ha ha, but clearly says the Supreme Court's primary, what's the, what's the word they use? The primary jurisdiction. They have ju primary jurisdiction over disputes between the states. Well, what the fuck was this? A primary fight, oh, you know, a primary jurisdiction fight between states. What was it? And then they look at it and go, well, you don't have standing. Oh, come on. Fight me. I'd like to point out to our listeners that Michael Walsh, is not a fan of Chief Justice Roberts. And no. I direct you to his to this uh, essay if you'd like to to read about how much he dislikes Mr. Roberts, who is oh. a piece of shit. He's he is a, as Michael pointed out in, in the essay, he's a coward. Mm -hmm. He's weak and he's a coward. He should have taken that that case. It would have been a, a fascinating exposition on on the American boy, our existential problems. He could have fixed it. And the relevance of the Constitution. And the relevance of the Constitution. But thanks to Marbury, which I've always, every time I bump into a lawyer, I say, hey, what the hell's with this Marbury? Oh, well, that's the law of the land. Well, who says it's the law of the land? You did. They, that's the best part. This court with no power whatsoever, if you look at Article 3, they get to sign off on treaties and the law of the sea and some random shit like that. But... They suddenly say, oh, oh no, we're going to uh, uh, have judicial re review, which has effectively turned themselves into a legislature. As now we're all sitting here waiting. Oh, what are they going to say about this case or that case? Between dictator Biden and the, the God, you know, the, the oracle at Delphi, uh, what kind of country do we have anymore? I ask these naive questions. And, and, still. Yeah, and here we are. We're, we're, but still, and here's the, the whole paradox of the whole thing. We're talking about candidates hitting the road and instead of, you know, puerile attacking each other, argue and, and win the people with your ability to communicate and your policies and so on and so forth. So it's like this schizophrenic thing of, are we alive or are we dead? Is this reality? Yeah. Is it not reality? Is this all a waste of friggin' time to have whoever, to, you know, run, whether it's DeSantis, Trump, Ramaswamy, Ramalama, Ding Dong, whoever the flavor <laughs> of the month is of the fucking GOP might be. And in the end, Dao Min Yen comes in, a toilet overflows in Atlanta, it floods out six different states, and mm. presto change, oh, Joe Biden is reelected or whoever. Right. So it's like, what the fudge? You know, drives it's, you crazy. It's, it's, well, the question is, are we still, do we still have the Roman Republic or do we have the Roman Empire? That's the question we have now. Uh, except our empire won't be any good because we're not terribly good at building empires or, or running them. But it won't matter. So do we really, does the Constitution have any more meaning? I've been screaming about Article 3 for as long as I can, and I'm just a layman on this subject. And every now and then I got to talk to Andy McCarthy about this. He, yeah, well, you're right about that. Marbury... I mean, that's that was the game changer. Yeah. And what was that, 1802? I mean, we were like like a newborn infant, and they decided to change the rules of the game on the country. That's horrible. It is horrible. I mean, you know, we uh, CBD takeover. I got totally just out of words right <laughs> now. We've left JJ's speechless. Very yeah, rare occasion. Yeah. You know, well, one yeah. of the things. One of the things that's so important in the United States is the rule of law, and we've lost that completely. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to refer to what just happened last week, which with um, the Silicon Valley Bank. You know, the law is clear. Uh, deposits up to $250,000 are, are covered by the FDIC or whatever the organization is. And mm. deposits in excess of $250,000 are not covered. Mm. Can they recover some, some or all of their funds 
in the in the bankruptcy proceeding. Sure, the law is clear about that. Um, there, there's a, a clear hierarchy, um, but because of what is essentially crony capitalism, they changed the rules over the weekend, and the federal government announced that, oh, okay, everybody is covered. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Everybody's covered. Where's the money going to come from? Oh, it's not going to come from the from the American people. Bullshit. Yeah. It's going to come from the American people. Th- this this ridiculous idea that we don't pay for some of these ridiculous decisions is it's it's obscene and it's offensive. Anyway, it is it, it goes it all goes back to the rule of law, and we have mm-hmm. lost the rule of law and. Maybe Michael's right. We lost it in 1803 with Marbury versus Madison. I was saying, look, look at, and remember what I finally remember what I said. You sparked, you, you sparked my memory there. Um, I'm not quite a vegetable yet. So look <laughs> what they did. Look what Obama did with GM. Yeah. The freaking bondholders are the first people by law that have to be paid. You know, the stockholders and the bondholders. When a company goes tits up, you pay them off. He said, uh, "We're not going to do that. We're going to pay the unions. We're going to take over the company, and you screw you, stockholders." Go fuck yourself. And I'm going, this is like, and that happened, what, 14, 13 years ago, whatever it was. But yeah. more to your point about, uh, you know, the, 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 the Constitution being dead. Look, all of these things, all of these institutions, our traditions, the Constitution, it's, they're just pieces of paper. The, the rule of law, whether it's a police officer or whoever it might be or a politician, whatever, all of these things depend upon people to have moral turpitude, to have ethics, to have character, to be, if you want to say, God-fearing or whatever it is, or just to have some some sense of right and wrong to obey it. Otherwise, they're useless. The Constitution, yeah. all of these things are useless. This And this is human history. I'm no you know, historian like you are, Michael, or whomever, or Victor Davis Hanson. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a schlub from Brooklyn, but if we don't, but this is what I was instilled with. If you don't respect laws, if you don't have even the most basic kind of just respecting the golden rule, then we have no society whatsoever. That's the left. That's the left in a nutshell. They're the guys that say, hey, what are you guys playing? Say, we're playing football. Oh, great. Can we play? Sure. So then you line up and then they just... <laughs> They shoot you, right? And they run around the end, and then they go outside bounds, and then they go spike the ball, and you say, that's not football, and they go, fuck you. We're calling it football. You asked us to play, we just won. Yay. That's how they treat everything. In Michael's uh, essay, he um, he cites the Electoral Integrity Project, yeah. which is a disgusting read. Um, I suggest that you read all of it. And in it, I found an interesting phrase. Um, and they talked about the norms of mm. the elections, the norms of our electoral laws. And that is a wonderful example of how the left co-opts our, and when I say our, I'm talking about the conservative, the right wing, uh, propensity to do exactly what Sefton just talked about. Respect mm-hmm. the golden rule, respect the rules, respect how society flows through time. They don't give a shit about that. They are very, very willing to play football with us and with automatic weapons and and ignoring the the out-of-bounds lines. That's what they do. Well, that's progressivism. And I think that's why they call it progressivism, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and in Michael's essay, he talks about it. What are we willing to do to return to America? 
And unfortunately, uh, we probably will have to play by their rules, which means not playing by any rules at all. Right. Um, I, I, I don't want to suggest that violence is the answer. Um, I don't think that Michael is suggesting it explicitly. Um, I know that, that uh, Sefton never ever uh, espouses the idea of, of violence being the answer, but I don't see many other answers. No. Uh, a little parable. I mean, many, many moons ago, this is like probably like 1974, 73, back in the Pleistocene era when I had hair and plenty of it. We went, to, some friends of mine and I went, I think we piled into their uh, sta someone's station wagon. And we went to see, yes, at Roosevelt Stadium, where somebody committed suicide and the lighting tower fell and killed somebody, but that was another story. Anyway, we get out to the parking lot and we notice that the hood has popped open and somebody stole our battery. And so we go over to the, there's a cop nearby, and we said, officer, somebody stole our battery. He goes, what do you want me to do? Go steal somebody else's. Mm -hmm. It's a true story. And so what did we do? I hate to say it. We went over, some, <laughs> went over to a Volkswagen, jimmied the thing open, took the thing, and the Volkswagen battery took a, you know, a, the, the town, what is it, a town and country, and we drove it back to Brooklyn. Because otherwise we were standard, stranded in Jersey City, which in 1974, as it is today, not ex well, who knows that today, but not exactly the safest place to be when, you know, you're four white kids, uh, you know, with the VFW. I would be very... I'd be very careful. Merrick Garland will go after you. Merrick We're conservative. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a statute of limitations. Uh, no, murder and stealing batteries out of Volkswagens. Sorry, you're off to the Google Google with yeah, But that's There's it. a piece of work. Merrick Garland. Oh, God. Horrendous well, human what being. What do you think of Mr. Garland? I, I wrote a piece in the New York Post when he was up for, what are they, uh, for the court, right? Yeah. For the court. And, and. Uh, Steve Lynch, who was, was then the Sunday editor of the New York Post, now is the overall editor of the New York Post, called me up uh, and said, give me a piece on Merrick Garland. Uh, nobody cares about Merrick Garland. So remember, the Democrats were trying to make this big deal about Merrick, Merrick Garland. And, of course, uh, Turtle McChop hip-pocketed that one, and that was the end of it. But now this is Merrick's revenge, I think. This, he's... Uh, doesn't he just remind you of somebody from the Soviet Union circa 1954? Some apparatchik who just beetles his way along and, and sends you to the gulag eventually. Lavrentia been very, very good to me. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I think the, we need a reboot on the government. I, I've been writing a series of pieces, yeah. as you know, to save America, do X. So it started out with repeal the 16th, 17th. 18th check, 19th amendments, and then someone weirdly went onto my Wikipedia page and said, Michael Walsh is an author, screenwriter, journalist, blah, blah, an outspoken opponent of the 19th amendment. That's the lead now on my <laughs> Wikipedia page, but I, 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 I fixed it. Um, it's, and it's still a Washington Redskins fan, no matter what they call them, I guess. I put something controversial in there. You know, it, it is amazing how you talk about doing a total reboot of the country and it and i totally agree and i always yeah. say we have to come back somehow by miracle create some kind of a society that resembles america yet prevents every leftist from ever even attaining any 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 position of power anywhere so like how mm. do you do how do you have a free society when you when you exclude that it's a, it's a, it's kind of a conundrum because the left will always as i say use the constitution as both a shield and a cudgel with which yeah. to beat us up with, and so I blame I blame Abraham Lincoln. I think Abraham Lincoln inconveniently got himself assassinated. But if he hadn't done that, he might have outlawed the Democrat Party forever. 
He he should have busted that party up. The, the Civil War wasn't between the North and the South. It's between Democrats and Republicans. Let's face it. If you go back and look, that's who fought it. Uh, there were a few Democrats who were who were anti-partition, uh, as as it were, but it was it was a primarily a political struggle between these things. And I think Lincoln, had he lived, or if Grant had actually immediately taken over for Lincoln, because he he understood the enemy, he could articulate who the enemy was, as could uh, uh, Sherman. Uh, you would have seen that that party abolished, and and it's always been an anti-American party. I wrote a book called "The People Versus the Democrat Party." Uh, the very first Democrat vice president. Let's see, what did he do? Oh, yeah, he assassinated one of the founding fathers. I mean, you're off to a great start when you do that, guys. And he was a traitor too, Aaron Burr. Yeah, he tried to sell us out to some foreign power. To Spain, right? I think and they took to Spain, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, but of course he skated on both charges, so you know he was a Democrat. Yeah. His, the Merrick Garland of his day said, ah, no problem. That's a bad party. It's been the home of the anti-Americans, the anti-Federalists, the anti-everything that gave the country stability from the day it started. And it's racist, and it's anti-Catholic, and it's anti-Semitic, and it's all these things. It's one magnificent Christmas present wrapped up in a really poisonous party. But you know, here's you know, and and I, I quote my mother yet again. May she rest in peace. It's uh, her anniversary of her yard site. She always said, uh, you know, she goes, "Evil, evil never rests." So I mean, you could do away with the Democratic Party or the Democrat Party, really, but some yeah. form of evil will always want to will to power oh. and and. You know, they will always have a better idea of how to perfect man, and even it, even if it short dicks every cannibal in the Congo, so to speak, yeah. as Sergeant Hartman would say. So they'll always yeah. be there. It's just, it's again, the only way to really resist this is to go back to uh, a, a teaching of morality, a, a teaching of a, a fear of God. If you're if you're an atheist, mm -hmm. then just ethics, the, all these kind of things, which. Over time, look what the left has destroyed. They've destroyed the family. They've destroyed God. They've destroyed all these institutions whereby, you know, anything goes now in order to for them to create their paradise on earth. And so yeah. it's to, we have but to go have back to, to this. The issue, I think, is, is power more than anything else. Lord Acton had it perfectly mm. correct. Um, and, and that and that was the brilliance of the founders and that they they created a government that was limited. And unfortunately, as Michael has pointed out, uh, Marbury versus Madison destroyed that. But it is it is the size of government that allows them to do so much. Um, you know, Biden was somewhere yesterday jabbering incoherently about outlawing assault weapons. We've got to outlaw assault weapons. Well, first yeah. of all, you fucking rutabaga. What's an <laughs> assault weapon? Well, you don't know what the hell an assault weapon is. I own many of them, except that they're not assault weapons. Right. It is a rifle just like every other goddamn rifle in America, and there are about 100 million of them, but they he, he has accreted so much power within the federal government, even in the last couple of years, yes. that the ATF is now going to do all sorts of incredibly illegal things with, with respect to gun control. They're going to expand uh, you know, federal uh, checks. They're going to begin to manipulate the the licenses that allow people to to buy and sell guns. You know, even even even, yeah, even without the government, look who the, the the government may not may or may not even enforce these things. The real enforcers are the private sector. I think it was the credit card companies that just got busted keeping secret lists of who was using mm. a credit card to purchase firearms and ammunition and said, "Oh, we're not going to do that anymore." But well, of course they're going to friggin' do that. 
They're going to, beyond that, they're going to say, well, who has a subscription to like, well, Ace of Spades, or, or if it is a subscription, to, and, and so on and so forth. They're, mm. they're, what, what the government can't do, the private sector, which is no longer private, it's fascistic. It's private sector it in the fascistic. sense of, 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 of Krupp and uh, Adolf Hitler and the Nazis is a private sector. It's, this is, they're in bed, and this is a huge... It's crazy. This is, you know, fight that. Fight that you know, that nonsense. Well, I think I said in this piece, uh, the untouchables, and of course by the untouchables I mean the feds, who are now untouchable and unaccountable for anything they do. Uh, I said I think Biden is now the most destructive president. He's supplanted Woodrow Wilson in terms of his complete disassociation from the Constitution. And and I, I think if, you know, he is a veggie. And he was always stupid too. So there was oh, that. God, he's yeah. bragger. He's a liar. He's 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 the guy at the end of the bar. But he just sees there's no check on his power now. He, whatever enters into his adult-painted little head, he'll just do it. And sometimes there's pushback, and sometimes there isn't. But I think I think maybe CBD want to talk to this. I think our side gets tired of fighting every goddamn day. They will never leave you. I wrote this in my Rules for Radical Conservative book in 2010. They're like the kid in the class who's poking you all the fucking time, throwing spitballs at the back of your head while the nun's not looking. Just won't leave you alone. And you just try to say, yo, dude, no, he won't leave you alone. And that's who these leftists are. They will not leave. You know, what do they want to wreck next? Gas stoves. Who had that one on the bingo card? Nobody, right? But all of a sudden, gas stoves are the greatest threat to. And the imaginary climate change. Here in Ireland, good Lord. I say, I said to somebody the other day, when she said, uh, I said, oh, I, you know, I'd like to put a hot tub in my backyard. And this woman, I didn't know, we were just having a casual conversation, said, well, what are you going to power it with? Coal. <laughs> Electricity, heating oil. She said, well, don't you care about the planet? I said, lady, we're sitting on the world's greatest fresh air generating machine ever, the Atlantic Ocean, which I can spit to and hit, right? It, there is always, friend, Ireland could vanish tomorrow, Britain could vanish tomorrow, and it would make zero difference in this imaginary bugbear bug of climate change. And you realize people have bought into this, and I think it goes back to this notion of making them afraid of everything. Now, it's, it's climate change is going to get you. Guess they're going to get you. Your automobile is going to. We are ban automobiles. Here we're banning automobiles now. I have a lovely VW Passat that I bought when I came home a few months back. And it was, I don't know how old it was, 10 years old maybe. Runs on diesel. I get a million miles to the gallon on this diesel car. Six speed, you know, tons of fun. Here in Ireland, just driving to the grocery store, you feel like James Bond because you're shifting madly with your left hand driving on the road. But when we go over to see our, our kids in, in Dublin, I could go over and back on a half a tank of gas, for Christ's sake. And it costs nothing. But they want me to get rid of it and buy an electric car, even though they're putting the electric generating plants out of business. You begin to think maybe that's a plot here, maybe. A little bit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, your bar you, do you barbecue what? Uh, steak or do you barbecue cockroaches, worms, and, and the occasional yeah. beetle? You know, well, there's Michael, Michael is talking about the the ridiculous uh, impossibility of of electrifying transportation in Ireland. Ireland is a small place. Yeah. Now, multiply that by a thousand, and you have the United States, where people think nothing of driving six, seven, eight hundred miles in in a, in a day or two. 
No, it's easy. It takes 20 minutes. Today, it's my basic measurement of how much I'm going to drive today, 600 miles. That takes nine hours. I'm in L.A. in five days. You know, you just think that way. Yeah. But here, it it takes longer to get places because the roads are so small. I mean, every many, many roads are just one car, but they're two-way roads, so you have to get kind of, you have to pay attention. Um, but they want to they want to eliminate private automobile traffic in Ireland, and that's because the country is run by Dubliners who never go out to you know what real Ireland's like out my window here. Uh, they 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 they've moved to a fascistic model where they the, the the one city the imperial city will control all aspects of the country. Washington is New York's not what it used to be. JJ, you just left New York. Yep. Thank God. Oh my God. It's 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 hell on earth. Eric Adams to well I don't know if I say to his credit, you know he's sort of his feet are to the fire. He's sort of caught between a rock and a hard place with the with yeah. the immigration crap and every all these other no, and the crime sorry. and things. So, no, 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 no. But whatever. Don't cut Eric Adams. I, I don't. Any, I, it's any not. Slack I don't mean. I don't mean to cut Eric him. Eric Adams slack. is Blasio with with a, yes. with a better tailor. I'm only right. Yes. He's a he's a crazy Farrakhanite Jew hater. I understand this, but and it's only he's just and it's like the whole thing with this whole the whole crime bill with with Biden, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, interfering with the, the, uh, Washington D.C.'s uh, crime bill, the, 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 not not vetoing you know, even Muriel Bowser wants this this crazy progressive thing that would have decriminalized crime in D.C. But it's yeah. just because they now it's a political liability because it's biting them in the ass. Same thing in a way with with Eric Adams. It's not that he gives a damn about crime or illegal illegal immigrants, but for a little he has to kind of put on a little bit of a show that he does give a shit. Otherwise, uh, you know, New York really what's already gone to the dogs. But it's this is all of this crap is just and before him, even before the Bolshevik, it was you know Doomberg. Michael Bloomberg literally just put Broadway used to be a major a major. Oh, is it a pain now? My God, what a Broadway! Horrible. Broadway is now it only is it's awful. it's almost a single lane in, like down by Madison Square by Twenty Third Street. What was yeah. Madison Square? It's a single lane, and it's like cafe like like cafe things, and it's a bike lane. It's like, dude, like what? Are, what are we? What are like, you? You can't. Like, they're, they're just they're trying to turn New York into Amsterdam and make mm. it, and nobody wants nobody wants it, and. No. Of course, you're going to do it, and whether you want it or not. But that's, hello, that's progressivism. Whether you want but, it, uh, 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 who wants to ride a bike in the rain? I mean, this is the, the, the <laughs> Dublin has bike lanes now. Who wants to ride a bike in the rain? Not me. I, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but um, when I'm about 98 years old and dying of something incurable, um, I am going to rent the biggest, heaviest truck, probably a dump truck filled with sand. <laughs> I'm going to drive into New York City, and I am going to run over every goddamn city bike rack I can <laughs> find until the cops shoot me. City bike, more than anything else, has destroyed yeah. New York City. Yep, they have hope. taken miles of roadway, turned them into bike lanes, and when there isn't a bike lane, there's a city bike rack. You know, 150 feet of this crap, taking up parking spaces, ruining the traffic patterns. It used to be a pain in the ass to drive in New York City, but it was manageable. Traffic yeah. in New York City over the last several years has gotten so much worse in spite of the fact that fewer people are driving in New York because of COVID and, and, and the various initiatives you know, pushing cars out of the city. It is awful beyond compare. I've never seen anything like it. 
And I've been in London. I've been in Paris. I've been in Los Angeles. I've been in, in all, Chicago, Miami. New York City traffic is absolutely the worst. And it is because of the insane progressive policies that say, oh, everybody should ride a bicycle. Everybody's everybody's a web designer. They're going to mm-hmm. ride to their to their work. They're going to ride home, pick up a couple of baguettes and put them on their backpacks. And, oh, everybody's going to look wonderful and all that kind of crap. They've ignored the fact that there are electricians and plumbers and, and garbage men who actually do have to drive. It's, yeah. it's a catastrophe beyond belief. You have been listening to the Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks podcast. J.J. Sefton, CBD, and the great Michael Walsh. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Always fun for me to join you two guys. Michael, thank you very much. <laughs>